Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From the pages of The New Yorker, this is the weekly comment podcast. In The Don and Joe Show, Amy Davidson Sorkin delves into what a Biden-Trump presidential race might look like. In the inquiry into who would be the strongest Democratic presidential nominee in 2020, Donald Trump is what might be called a hostile witness. Joe Biden is a dummy, the president said last week on his way to Iowa, where Biden, who spent more than three decades in the Senate and eight years as Barack Obama's vice president and one of his closest advisors, was campaigning. Trump added, I call him 1% Joe, although Biden is now averaging 32% in recent polls, putting him in the lead in a crowded primary field. Last week, a Quinnipiac University poll indicated that Biden would defeat the president in a nationwide head-to-head contest by 53% to 40, landslide proportions, a Quinnipiac representative noted. Polls only mean so much at this point, of course. Last week, the Democratic National Committee announced that 20 candidates had qualified for the first debates to be held on June 26th and 27th in Miami. Biden will appear on the second night, along with Senator Bernie Sanders, who offers an ideological alternative to Biden's moderation. Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, who offers a differing perspective and temperament, and Senator Kamala Harris, who, among other things, is a reminder that the Democratic choice need not be a white man. Biden is not, by any reckoning, the inevitable nominee. But in the light of the preview that voters in Iowa got last week, It's worth imagining what a race between Biden and Trump might look like, if it comes to that. Even the similarities between the two men are revealing. They are almost the same age, so naturally, Trump, who is 73, derides Biden, who is 76, for being old. He's even slower than he used to be. But they have used their years very differently. Biden was elected to the Senate at the age of 29 and has spent his career in public service. He said in Iowa, I had the dubious distinction of being listed as the poorest man in Congress, actually the Senate, a contrast to Trump's far more dubious claims about exactly how many billions of dollars he has. Money is a poor proxy for public spiritedness, just as age is an imperfect one for passion. In Iowa, Trump asked a crowd whether his slogan should be Make America Great Again or Keep America Great. He worried that the acronym for the latter, CAG, didn't have the right ring. Biden said that the word that summed up America for him was possibilities. Both men have a reputation for being undisciplined speakers in ways that expose their characters, a meandering exuberance on Biden's part, casual cruelty on Trump's. Biden might be called a bore, but never a bully, although in Iowa he demonstrated that he can effectively portray Trump as a crank. He lampooned Trump's assertion that seasonal cold weather disproved climate change science. Biden has long advocated actions to address climate change and has integrated into his pitch elements of the Green New Deal, pushed by his younger colleagues. At an event in Davenport where he was introduced by a firefighter, Biden mocked Trump's statement that the California wildfires last year could have been prevented with a little tidying of the forest floor. Twenty minutes later, near Des Moines, Trump repeated the claim in a defensive tone saying that he had been praised for his insight by someone from a forest nation. Biden clearly has Trump's attention. Indeed, he seems to rattle him the most when he connects to the kinds of voters who Trump believes owe him their loyalty, 
such as white men and women in uniform or in blue-collar jobs. If they vote for Biden, they could swing states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, which Trump won only narrowly in 2016. Last month, after the International Association of Firefighters endorsed Biden, Trump tweeted angrily, I've done more for firefighters than this dues-sucking union will ever do, and I get paid zero. It wasn't clear what he had done for the firefighters or why they should pay him anything. Are they supposed to book rooms in the Trump International Hotel? Other candidates could win over those voters, too, and energize a whole range of constituencies. Biden, during his long career, has been associated with policies and behaviors that will likely pose problems for him in the primaries, the 1994 crime bill, the 2005 bankruptcy bill, a point of contention with Elizabeth Warren, excessive hugging, and his handling in 1991 as the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee of the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings, at which Anita Hill testified that Thomas had harassed her. Earlier this month, after reiterating his support for the Hyde Amendment, which bars most federal funding of abortion, he abandoned it, citing the proliferation of restrictive state laws. His position on abortion has been pro-choice, but nuanced, and the same is true of a majority of general election voters. Trump, meanwhile, has boasted of groping women and says he is determined to help overturn Roe v. Wade. Last Thursday, in an interview with NBC, Hill was asked if she saw any moral equivalency between Biden and Trump. Absolutely not, she said. Could she vote for Biden if he were the nominee? Of course I could. Trump will most certainly be his party's nominee. His only challenger so far is Bill Weld, the moderate former governor of Massachusetts. The president will formally kick off his re-election campaign on Tuesday at a rally in Orlando. As part of the launch, he gave George Stephanopoulos an interview in the Oval Office. He said that if a foreign government came to him with dirt on an opponent, he'd be happy to take a look at it. Wouldn't anybody? No matter who the Democratic nominee is, the sordidness of Trump's tactics, like the crudeness of his invective, is a given. Trump, Biden warned, has removed the guardrails from American politics. Trump, for his part, is pushing the view that Biden is played out in every sense and was never really a player. Obama took him off the trash heap, Trump said last week. That particular slur might get at the heart of their rivalry. For some voters, a Biden presidency would be a vindication of the Obama era. For others, a sign that some of its promise, particularly regarding a generational and cultural transformation in politics, has not been realized. But for Trump, who has devoted himself to erasing Obama's legacy, it would be a sour repudiation. Joe Biden is not the only Democrat who can enrage Trump, but enrage him he does. That was The Don and Joe Show by Amy Davidson Sorkin from The New Yorker magazine, June 24, 2019. Narrated by Jamie Rennell. Also in the magazine this week, Michael Shulman on Troy Savan's anthems. Jia Young Fan on the sci-fi writer Liu Shuxin. Sheila Kolhatkar on Elizabeth Warren. Nick Palmgarten on The Masters. Sam Knight on Boris Johnson. Sarah Manguso on Menopause. Peter Sheldahl on Walt Whitman. Alex Ross on Karl-Heinz Stockhausen, Alexandra Schwartz on The Secret Life of Bees and Much Ado About Nothing, Emily Nussbaum on dramas about the Central Park Five and Chernobyl, Anthony Lane on The Dead Don't Die and A Bigger Splash, fiction by Mary Grimm and more.
Audible.com produces a weekly audio edition of The New Yorker. To subscribe or to download individual issues, we invite you to go to www.audible.com and enter New Yorker in the search box. To subscribe to the comment podcast, go to www.newyorker.com or to the New Yorker room on the iTunes store.